Welcome, welcome to the Heads Together podcast. Apparently you shouldn't do those T's on a podcast or when you're speaking into a mic, you know, the hard T and the P, because apparently it's very offensive on the ears. So I apologise because I probably do it every week. But anyway, you don't listen to me for perfection of P's and T's. You listen to me for a bit of entrepreneurial real talk, and I hope that is what I'm delivering to you. I am excited to have a fabulous guest with me this week. Her name is Sam Flynn. Now, Sam is, well, she was originally a social media trainer. So she would train businesses, entrepreneurs in the use of social media. But she now has kind of slightly pivoted what she does. And she describes herself now as a digital well-being coach, which I absolutely love. What she does is she works with individuals in improving their relationship with the digital world. So this all came about because of her own, almost like a smartphone addiction that she wanted to make changes around in her own life. And this took her down this path of really exploring how we can have a healthier relationship with our phones and with social media in general. What I love about Sam is that she's not saying social media is terrible, delete all of your accounts immediately. Absolutely not. In fact, she uses social media to promote her own business. And, you know, she's an absolute advocate for using social media, but using it mindfully and with intention. And that's what we're going to talk about today, about just some changes that you can make. This is one of those actionable episodes. I don't know where you're listening, but if you can get a pen and paper, this would be a good one because she gives us a few tips on things we can implement straight away just to get that better relationship with our digital health, which I love the idea of a digital well-being coach. That is something that is needed right now because I think there are a lot of people, myself included, who don't always have a healthy relationship with phone use and with social media scrolling and that addiction to kind of stuff, noise that is nothing to do with building our businesses, but we kind of label it as work when we're scrolling social media. So without further ado, let's dive into the episode because I'm really excited for you to meet Sam. Let's go. Welcome, welcome to the Heads Together podcast. I'm Jill Mokes and I am obsessed with cutting through the noise when it comes to growing your business. Each week via intimate coaching conversations and inspirational stories, I share what it really takes to get the results you want in a way that feels right to you. I am all about attracting higher ticket opportunities building authentic relationships and creating the abundant full fat version of your dream business. I mean, how many of us have beavered away creating a light version of what we really want? The thing is, I honestly believe when you're outstanding at what you do, there is no limit to what you can achieve. So are you ready to put our heads together and make it happen? Let's go. Thanks for joining Thank me. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Just before I hit record, I said to you, didn't I, that I've been 
since our last chat, very mindful about something, and we're going to dive into that. But I wonder if you could maybe let's set that up by you telling everyone a little bit about yeah, absolutely. So I am a digital well-being coach, trainer, speaker, consultant, um, and essentially helping people manage their relationship with the digital world. But I'm also a social media trainer as well. And that's been my main role now for over 12 years. And the digital well-being is kind of much newer than that. So within the last year is something that I've really become passionate about. So um, the majority of my career has been focused on helping businesses grow using social media, understanding all the different platforms and how to use them effectively to market themselves as a business. And then over the last year, I'm now also helping people understand how to manage things like their smartphone use and make sure that they're not wasting time on their phone, but also that they're not impacting their well-being because of how much they're using their phone. And also working with businesses on managing their digital culture and their expectations of employees when it comes to digital use and the impact that has on productivity too. So it's been an interesting journey and segue from one to the other. That is interesting because I feel like on the face of it, you might at first glance think, oh, that's kind of contradictory. On the one hand, you're kind of helping people raise the profile of their businesses via social media. And then on the other hand, you're kind of helping them not be on social media as much. How does that fit together? And also, how did the second part come up? What was it about the way perhaps that you were working or what you were seeing in other people and the way they worked with their social media in particular, I guess, because of the field you were in. When we talk about the digital world, predominantly it is social media, isn't it? If people are picking up their smartphone and spending hours a day on it, predominantly it is social media. So yeah, it does sound like a little bit of a two completely different sort of careers, but actually they go together really, really well. I'm not a social media hater. I'm not suggesting everyone needs to pack up and leave all the social media platforms, particularly businesses. They're amazing for marketing and I market myself on them. Although I do get a lot of comments now of people saying, well, this is ironic because you're obviously filming this on a phone (laughs) when I talk about phone use, but you know, they are amazing tools. But so that side still completely fits. You know, I I am passionate about helping businesses grow using social media, but I also acknowledge that we can waste so much time on there, particularly business owners. You can kind of tell yourself, can't you, that you're working because you're scrolling on LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever other platform of choice you're wasting your time on rather than being sort of conscious and proactive with what you're doing on there and making sure that the time you're spending on there is used to grow your business as opposed to just mindlessly scroll. So they do kind of go hand in hand, really. And even over the 12 and a half years I've been delivering training, I've always spoken to the people I'm training about how to manage that time and how to make sure they're not losing hours and hours a day to marketing their business on social media. I've often talked about 20 minutes a day of social media, and I honestly think a business can market themselves in that limited amount of time. So in that sense, I do think they go nicely together rather than them being kind of like, on one hand, get on social media, on the other hand, leave social media. I completely agree. And you know what? I think my audience, that's going to really resonate because I think so. certainly most of the women I work with tend to have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with social media. I think we see it as a necessary tool for marketing our businesses. That said, it is only one tool. It's not the be all and end all of marketing our businesses, is it? But I think also, particularly now in this post-pandemic world now, we are really looking for ways to 
cut out the toxicity inside social media and really kind of, like you say, I think it's about optimizing the use of it. It isn't about cutting it out, is it? No, absolutely not. No way is it about going, that's it, I'm leaving. Although, you know, for some people that might be the best thing for them. It depends obviously on things like what your business is and whether social media can actually help grow that business and also kind of what your relationship with social media is as well. But yeah, for me, actually, the reason I kind of led into this was because during the pandemic, I had got to a point where my phone was constantly in my hand. Particularly, you know, I was home alone with three girls, my three daughters. My husband got to leave the house every day because he's a a project manager in construction. So he kind of carried on heading to site every day and trying to run a business with, at the time they were one and a half, four and six years old, trying to run a business, particularly a training business where I was delivering training online became very, very tricky. And I did a lot of work on my phone because I could sit at the kitchen table while they were doing their homeschooling or sit and watch Peppa Pig with my youngest while working on my phone. So it became a really useful tool. I'm not slating it for that by any means, but the the reality then became that as we eased out of it, I was still finding my phone was constantly in my hand. And actually my middle daughter said to me, mom, you're always on your phone. You don't listen to me. And that was like the dagger to the heart moment where I thought, oh my God, she thinks that my phone's more important to me than she is, which of course it couldn't even come close. And that was when I really started to change myself. At this point, no kind of consideration in terms of how I could turn this into a business, but I just started to make changes myself, read lots of books about the topic, just as a, you know, my background's actually in business psychology. So I got really kind of interested in the subject of how addicted we become to the digital world and the negative impact that can have on our lives and made a huge, huge difference to how I use my smartphone, put in lots of different steps to make sure that I'd really dramatically reduced my use over time. And it was when I was walking the dog one day and in the past, the past me would have always put a podcast on when walking the dog. But having read all these books and kind of watched lots of videos about it, I realized I never had a moment where I wasn't consuming something kind of content or there wasn't that moment of stillness in my day. So I thought, you know what, that half hour dog walk I do every day can be my 30 minutes of stillness with no consuming of content, no noise, just me and the dog getting out of the house, getting fresh air. And um, it was actually while walking the dog, I thought, this is actually a really big common problem in society now. And the more I've spoken to people about reducing my use, the more people are saying to me, I need to do the same. And And that was a real turning point where I thought maybe there's something in this and that I could help others. And then the other big thing for me, actually, in terms of social media was, as with many people during the pandemic, I saw my mental health slowly decline to a point where, you know, I remember my husband was ringing me on the way home from work one day to see how the day had gone and I couldn't speak for crying. And at that moment, I thought, I'm going to back out for a month. I'm going to delete all the social media apps off my phone. I'm going to put a post out and say, look, I'm just going to have a month off social media. Oh, that was a big decision because I think that takes a lot of guts, actually. And, you know, I'm sorry for you that it came to that point of uh, tears of really overwhelm, isn't it? I think. But what a big decision to say, actually, I'm going to do something quite radical now. Tell us what that was like, actually making that decision to delete the apps. (gasps) It was actually amazing. Actually, the decision itself was tricky, agreed, but I knew something had to change. I just got to a point where I was comparing my business to other businesses a lot on social media. I was getting very jealous. There was one particular social media trainer who was... Uh, boasting is not the right word because we should all be proud of our achievements, but was talking a lot about how he'd 
turned business around, pivoted it, doing so much online training and business had never been better. And all I could think was, because he had no children living alone. And all I could think was, that's not fair. I can't do that. I have three children at home. I can't just switch to all complete online training because I have three children at home with me. And it started to really wear me down. That was kind of a trigger really for me to go, I need to step away from this for a bit. You know, I'm quite sensible in that I know actually a month off social media probably wouldn't have that big an impact on my business. So yeah, I deleted all the apps. And at first I started picking up my phone, looking at it and going, oh, there's nothing to look at. I'm putting it down. And after about a week, I just stopped picking up my phone and it really broke the habit for me because there was nothing on there that I was used to, you know, going from Instagram to Twitter to Facebook to LinkedIn and background again and background again. And I couldn't do that anymore. We do that, don't we? We do. We have that circuit, don't we? Where we kind of check all of the different places and there might, you might have a news app, you might have something, but you basically, I, I, I bet lots of people can relate to that of having this almost like a little circuit they go around every time they pick up their phone or certainly several times a day. No, it is. It's so common. So what what was it like when, so first I can identify that you kept still picking it up and oh, there's nothing there, but then it changed, didn't it? And you're actually not p- even picking up. Yeah, it was honestly, I think the word I would use is freeing. I felt like something I'd been chained to almost mentally, you know, my brain had made me pick it up on repeat. And to then not have that feeling anymore where I needed to pick it up, where there was something to look at that actually had zero impact on my life, you know, looking at other people's lives and what they were up to has zero impact on my own life. But then also, because obviously we were still actually in the pandemic when I did this, so I still had the girls at home with me. And actually, suddenly I actually freed up all this time to be with them as well. And that was incredibly rewarding because I think I'd gone through a stage of resenting, not resenting them, but resenting the situation in which I'd had no time away from them to a sense of turning it into, actually, this is amazing that I get to spend this time with them and, you know, spending time coloring with them and playing Play-Doh and uh, like we'd go on, we'd put on YouTube, there's videos where you can kind of draw and they teach you how to draw things. And we do a daily drawing and all of these things where usually they might do them, but I'd be sat on my phone going, oh, I'm working, I'm working. And suddenly it was like, actually, I have got the time. All of a sudden you were present. That's the word. Yeah. And involved. Yeah, exactly that. So that must have been huge difference. Huge difference, which made me think I never want to go back to social media in a way, but I certainly never want to go back to how I was using social media and the level at which I was picking up my phone. And I, I never have. I've got the social media back on. Of course, I'm back on social media. I mean, you know, we're talking two and a half years ago, really, now that I did that month off. So of course, I'm back on social media, but only certain apps are on my phone. I don't have LinkedIn on my phone because I don't need to. I can use it on my desktop and then I can close it at the end of the day. I only have Instagram and TikTok on my phone for the reasons that they are predominantly mobile-led platforms. But even then, I have 20 minutes a day set on my phone for social media. So when I hit that 20 minutes, my phone pops up, you know, you've hit your limit for today. Of course, you can do that kind of override where you go, oh, give me another minute or give me another 15 minutes or just ignore this completely for today. Tell us about that. I feel like some people listening won't know about that, that you can set a... A time. Yeah, phones have, have really started to get a little bit better at this whole screen time thing now. So iPhones have screen time. So you've, you might already have it set up where you get your kind of weekly screen time notification that tells you how long you've been on your phone 
on average every day that week and which things you spent the most time on. So within that, in the settings, you can set app limits as well. And one of the bands of those app limits is social media. So you don't even have to choose which social media. It'll just put them all in together under social media and you can set a time limit per day of how long you want to spend on there. And it's amazing because if I need to, I don't know, post a reel or post a few stories, 20 minutes is more than enough time for me to be spending doing that on my phone. And it really does make a difference. On Android, it's actually called digital well-being in the settings. And you can do the same there. Wow. So Android are actually calling it digital well-being and really kind of acknowledging. Exactly what it is. Yeah. That's interesting to me, right? You just said something then, which really kind of caught my attention. You just said, you know, 20 minutes a day is more than enough to be doing that kind of in the moment content creation. It is more than enough, isn't it? And then in terms of other content, do you tend to advocate for kind of batching the kind of content that we're putting out each day or however many days a week you decide you're going to post on social media for your business? And if so, what are your thoughts on using like the scheduling tools and that kind of thing? Because I have a, a lot of clients will say, mm, I just see my engagement really drop off if I use the scheduling tools. Whereas when I post in real time, I get so much better engagement, but I'm finding it hard to balance that because then I'm on it all the time, looking out for those comments so that I can quickly reply back to them. Where is the balance between using social media in a really authentic way to build relationships and be present on it enough to engage meaningfully Mm -hmm. versus being on it too much and actually benefiting from pre-planning stuff and pre-loading it into a schedule. Yeah, I think this is where pre-planning does really, really help limit your time on social media because you don't then have to go onto the platform every day to load up that piece of content. So I am a massive fan of pre-planning. And I also think it allows us to come up with more ideas because when we're trying to think of one thing at a time, like, ah, what shall I post on LinkedIn today? Or what shall I post on Instagram today? You're clutching a, a vast array of everything there's so many options. Whereas when you pre-plan and do it all together in one go, your brain goes into flow of thinking of ideas and one idea leads to the next, to the next, to the next. And actually it usually becomes a lot easier to come up with ideas than when you're trying to think of one thing at a time. So that's firstly a big advantage. It saves you time because you come up with more ideas quickly. But yeah, it also does mean you don't have to be spending as much time on the platforms themselves every day. So I am a big fan. The scheduling is a tricky one because I agree engagement does usually drop when you use third-party engagement tools. But what is really good now is that a lot of the platforms have inbuilt native scheduling. So Instagram, you can now do it native on the app. LinkedIn, you can now do it native as well. And that shouldn't really go against you. If it does, it's probably not actually because it's scheduled, but because of how you've written it compared to how you might write something live. So for example, if we're writing something live and we haven't pre-planned, we might say something like, oh, last night the dog was sick and this happened and it kept me up all night and da, 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 da. And you might be a little bit more personable and they might tell a story of something that's just happened. Whereas obviously when it's pre-scheduled, you're not necessarily having that in the moment feeling. So it might be that that is actually limiting engagement. So it does mean we might have to save our stories. I'm kind of a big fan of that. So, you know, use the notes app on your phone if you need to, or a notepad or whatever. And every time there's a good story, jot it down. And rather than kind of scheduling your, having your post saying last night this happened, 
you can say the other night or a couple of weeks ago, this happened and you can still schedule it to go out and you can still tell the story. But so you can still do the sort of feeling of in the moment stuff while it's not necessarily in the moment. And yeah, I do. I am a big fan of, of batch creating, scheduling, because I do think it helps limit our time on social media, whereby we then can just spend, say, 20 minutes a day engaging with other people, responding to comments on our posts, maybe sharing a couple of Instagram stories live in the moment. Um, And 20 minutes a day is therefore more than enough. So first of all, to your point with the native scheduling. So Emily, my VA, has moved us on to doing that now. So she schedules my social media like inside Facebook, you only have to do it once and you can do it in the same thing for Facebook and Instagram, can't you? And then LinkedIn. But also, I suppose it really depends on what your goals are, doesn't it? Because, okay, if you want to get the best engagement at any cost, then sit on your phone all the time and post it. But the thing is, for most of us as business owners, that cost is too high. And I think this is where what you do, I think, is so needed at the moment because digital well-being is a thing. Mm-hmm. It really is. I've had to take steps myself to change how I use my phone and how I – one thing I'm really big on is curating my feed. I make sure that I'm not following anyone whose content I find triggering. I make sure that I'm not following things that I find kind of almost too addictive to watch. And it's often not even business related. So TikTok's a big one for that for me. It will be kind of the strangest things that will hook me in. And, you know, it's like digital crack. Mm-hmm. Yep, I hear you. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's that mindless scrolling. So to your point, it is really about looking at where the balance might sit, isn't it? I love this 20 minutes a day thing. I think that that's a really refreshing way to look at it, putting some kind of boundaries in place. Yeah, it really is achievable. That's the thing. 20 minutes, when you first say it, it sounds like not much time. And then when you think about actually like how long is a reel? I don't, I don't really do reels, but how long is a reel? What is it like 60 seconds? Sometimes less. Well, maximum of 90 seconds. But but yeah, you could do a reel that is 15 seconds long. For my reels, I typically talk to camera. I literally pick up my phone, talk to it for say 15 seconds and upload it. Like, you know, I can have a reel created and uploaded within two minutes. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate things and think, oh, we've got to make it like lots of different clips. And we might see these amazingly creative reels and Obviously, hours and hours and hours have gone into them. But for me as a business, I have to ask myself, if I'm spending hours and hours and hours on a reel, is it going to convert to the equivalent in monetary gain of income and work? Probably not, you know, unless it's some amazingly incredible viral reel. But for the majority of us, it's probably not actually going to convert into the equivalent in terms of customers. And I think once you get that in your head and you think, okay, yes, it's important for me to be present on there to make sure people know me. But if I can do that and get a reel posted and uploaded, created and everything in two minutes, then job done and I can move on with my day and focus on other forms of marketing. And, you know, you said earlier at at the start there about how social media is obviously not the only form of marketing. And so many businesses forget that because it's free. So that everyone jumps on it because it's free. So we don't have to spend money on it. But there are so many other forms of marketing. You know, we're doing one of them right now, for example. Uh, And even traditional ones as well. You know, how often do you get 
leaflets and information in the post from other businesses, not that often anymore, apart from kind of like the estate agents who say we're selling a house on your street or something and shove a leaflet through the door. But otherwise, we don't get much mail from businesses or you know, there's there's so many different ways we can explore to market. You're so right. Yeah. I was having lunch with a friend the other day and we were talking about this. We were both saying about how post, like snail mail, you know, actually posting something to someone. Uh, maybe it's a prospective client, particularly if you run a business like mine, which tends to be a higher ticket offers of the things I'm selling. You know, how refreshing to get something through the post, handwritten with a real message of connection in it. Wouldn't that be just so surprising and memorable? So I think social media is very, very noisy. And I think there are some business models where it is a numbers game. I get that. If you're selling digital courses, for example, you need to probably do need to be running Facebook ads if you haven't got a huge email list, right? And that's paid marketing. So it would be very difficult to build a seven-figure digital course business just on organic social media posting. You know, that would be a very tough call. But for people who really concentrate on selling their higher ticket offers and or have a one-to-one service or really are intent on raising their visibility for more PR opportunities and that kind of thing, I think creating social media with a goal of that connection rather than getting so obsessed with the likes, comments, follower numbers and that kind of thing. I was talking to someone the other day and we were saying, you know, I don't want most people engaging with my content. I want the right people. It doesn't need to be this frenetic numbers game, does it? No, no, absolutely. It's all about sanity over vanity. So we all like the thought of having a post that has hundreds of likes and hundreds of comments and such like. But we've got to ask ourselves the question, and then what? So is that leading to the desired outcome for my business? Or am I just like, oh, I'm so proud. I'm, I, you know, one of my posts went viral. If all you're left with is a feeling of like, oh, that really hit the mark. I got that right. And that kind of feeling of self gratification, I guess, by, or, you know, external gratification, sorry, from people liking and commenting on it. If that's all you're getting out of it as a business, it's not enough. And it would be far more valuable to have two of the right people comment on your post than 200 of the wrong people. So it's complete sanity over vanity. And we do need to get rid of this feeling of, it's only going to work if I have X number of followers or X number of people liking my posts. No, it's going to work if you've got the right people who follow you and the right people who engage with your post. It's nothing to do with the numbers. It's just the right people that you're aiming for. And actually, that ties back to something you said earlier, because you were saying that if you're using the native schedulers we, we were talking about, you said, and you're still seeing a drop in engagement, it could be that because you're planning in advance the content you're not maybe not writing it as naturally and as you know in such a way that flows and feels very connecting with your audience so if I was focusing my time I would be focusing on getting my messaging right not on building my follower numbers and likes and comments because the right messaging is what connects with the right yeah which will then naturally build the engagement and the followers of the right people so yeah absolutely spending time on understanding who you're trying to attract 
and therefore what that audience that you're trying to attract actually want to see on social media as opposed to what you want to tell them. What do they want to see? What do they want to engage with? What's going to add value to their day? What's going to get them involved in discussion? It doesn't matter about the 99% of other people who are of no value to your business. It's that 1% or even less of people that you need to understand through and through to get your messaging right for them so that they engage with you. So important, so important. And something that people just miss, they just get really hooked up with that dance with insanity that social media is with the, if someone's liked my stuff, I'll like their stuff. If they've commented on mine, I'll comment on theirs. And it's just, ah, it's crazy town. Authenticity is a social media buzzword, but it does become actual inauthentic to be commenting for the sake of hoping that it will help you get comments on your posts. I'll add a comment on this post, even though I have no interest in it whatsoever, just so that I've ticked the box of engaging for 15 minutes after I've released a post or commenting on five posts because I've released a post and hope that they comment back on mine. And that's not what social media should be about. It should be about genuine interaction and interest. It's so disingenuous. Yeah, it drives me mad, actually. (laughs) And actually, if we all got that, if we all really understood that and understood that Actually, using social media in that authentic way and focusing on the connection and your message and really making every post and every like and every comment that you make count, then that really aligns itself with your digital well-being at the same time, doesn't it? It absolutely does, yeah. And it's something we all have to think about. And I think especially as business owners who have, I guess if you're not a business owner, you're just going on there for pleasure. But as business owners, I guess we feel we have to plug in every day. We have to see what's going on in, in our industry and with our competitors and with our potential customers. We have that feeling of having to do it. Therefore, I think it's even more important as business owners to think about our digital well-being because in terms of business output and our productivity, I mean, there's so many ways in which it impacts. But if we look at time for a start, you know, the average UK phone user spends four hours a day on their phone. And that's two whole months a year that we're spending on our phones without sleep. So two whole months of 24 hour days we are spending on our phones. I mean, if you factor in sleep, essentially, we could say we're on our phones 25% of our waking lives which is a heck of a lot. And the question I sort of asked myself when I read that stat was, well, hang on a second. If I say, if you halved that down to two hours a day, you're still spending a lot of time on your phone. Two hours is surely plenty enough to be using it in a business sense and having probably a little bit of free time on there as well. But you're freeing up a whole month of a year to help grow your business in other ways. And that is really quite astonishing you know when you think about it if if someone said to you I'll give you an extra month this year to work on your business what will you do in that month it probably wouldn't be pick up my phone it'll be like oh my god amazing I'm going to do this and do that and that project I'm meant to start and I'm going to finally get my podcast started or whatever else it could be so yeah there's the time element but also there's a big crisis at the moment of focus and attention And that's been brought about because of social media predominantly, because we are being fed snippets all the time and our brain's now learning to only focus on little pieces of information at a time. And that actually has trained our brains to the point that now the average UK office worker can only focus on one task for three minutes before they are distracted, before they're looking to do something else, procrastinating. 
And it's nothing, is it? Three minutes, you know, and actually you could probably see it yourself. Like how often do we work in a way, and then we're like, oh, I'll fidget with this or I'll pick up my phone. It's usually a common one or I'll just check my emails or, you know, and our focus goes elsewhere. So, I mean, we can get that back. We can retrain that by doing things like reducing our phone use and working on improving our focus and attention. But that's massive in terms of running a business again, that, you know, we're struggling to actually focus on task. And I speak to so many people who say this, that they just struggle with procrastination. And procrastination isn't always because you're avoiding doing something is because you're struggling to focus on doing something and therefore your mind starts to go elsewhere and oh, I'll just have a quick check if as that thing you know when's that thing being delivered and oh has that dress gone on sale yet and it's lack of focus generally is the reason that we procrastinate rather than actually avoiding what we have to do it's just that we're struggling to focus on it and that's huge for business Gosh, owners I hadn't really thought of that I hadn't thought of how it's really causing this systemic lack of a focus across the piece and I can see it I really can see it and I certainly do it myself I don't think I'm as good at focusing long term on a task as I used to be yeah that could well be a part of it well not many of us acknowledge it could be smartphones I think we start to blame other things don't we you know and we forget that actually yeah. what are we doing every day well, I blame everything <laughs> I blame everything on. Menopause, I was about to say often as women we blame it on hormones like yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I broke a leg, I think it would be the force. Which, of course, you know, that's that's the other thing, isn't it? Is, you know, perimenopause and menopause, of course, it is associated with brain fog and lack of focus. So to throw kind of then smartphones into the mix, it's probably going to make it even worse. But also knowing that it could make it better to actually have a solution, to actually be able to say, well, you can try this, try not doing it. But it's not something that's going to happen overnight, is it, Sam? It, where do we start? So let's talk about What are the things we can do to really try and make a lasting change with how we use our smartphones? How can we decide what are optimal uses for us? So I think the first step is awareness. And, you know, and I think a lot of people kind of go, oh, yeah, I know I should probably use my phone less. But having conversations like this raises that awareness so much more. And that naturally actually makes us think like, oh, actually, why am I picking up my phone? So awareness is everything for our brains to to click into place and go, oh, do I need to be picking up my phone right now? Am I wasting time scrolling? So that's stage one really is, you know, listen to podcasts like this and, and conversations like this and, you know, do your own research or go and follow me on YouTube if you want. I've got lots about digital well-being on there and get that awareness. And then after that, it's putting... I think you're right. It is baby steps. It's not about going, right, that's it. I'm throwing my phone down the toilet. I don't want it anymore. (laughs) It's not going to work. It's not addressing the issue. I feel like that's a mistake because then it feels so uncomfortable then to not have it because you've just gone too far. It's too much. Exactly. So it is baby steps and, and there's lots you can do with any habit. The best thing you can do is create friction between you and that habit. So for example, if your habit is to eat a packet of chocolate biscuits every day, the friction would be to stop buying chocolate biscuits. So they're not in the house. Therefore, it's not easy anymore for you to just go, oh, it's 11 o'clock. It's time for my packet of chocolate biscuits. You've got to leave the house, maybe even get in the car, drive to the shop. There's lots of friction there in place. With our phones, they are very limited in friction because they are mobile. So they're always with us. We generally need them anyway because we want to be contactable or we need to contact other people. And 
things like, for example, face recognition. I can literally pick up my phone and I'm on there instantly. I could be on Instagram within a second of picking up my phone. So we need to put friction in place around that. So a simple friction method is not having your phone next to you all the time, having somewhere that your phone lives that isn't next to you. So when I'm here at my desk, my phone lives in the room with me because I do use it for work calls, but it's on the other side of the room. So I have to pick myself up and take myself over to my phone. Whereas if it's next to me on the desk, I'm naturally I'm going to pick it up more. So just that friction of having to step away from my desk to go on my phone actually puts a friction point in place that makes me go, actually, I don't need it right now. I'll just go on it later. So that's certainly something. Keep it away from you. If you are someone who gets into bed and scrolls at night, stop having your phone next to you in bed. So you could either put it across the room from you in your bedroom if you still want to use it for an alarm or you want the security of knowing someone can contact you in the middle of the night if there's an emergency. Just have it away from you so you have to get out of bed to get it. And that's a win-win, that one. That is definitely a win-win because if I have my phone next to the bed and I using it as an alarm, then I can just keep hitting snooze as well. So if I've got to actually get out of the bed to get the damping and turn the alarm off, I'm less likely to keep doing that. So yeah, keeping the distance between you and your phone essentially is a really good friction point to get into the habit of. And then other things, I've mentioned one already, setting screen time limits so that it pops up and says, you know, you've spent 20 minutes today already on social media, just to, to remind yourself how long you're spending on them. And then turning off all notifications, because something that will always make us pick up our phone is when we see it light up with a notification. Oh, what's this? Who's WhatsApp to me? Oh, right. It's, a, it's an email or someone's liked my Instagram post. We don't need to know all that instantly. So turn off all those kind of notifications. And that means that you're not going to pick up your phone every time it lights up at you. And that will really limit how often you go on your phone as well. So there's some simple steps. I mean, there are absolutely loads of different ways you can create friction, but those are quite manageable ones. I think that everyone can kick off with, turn off your notifications and keep it away from you. So it's not always next to you and set those screen time limits as well. So that it reminds you how long you're spending on there. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely perfect because those things are really implementable and they're not so dramatic that they're going to cause us to crack. It's a bit like going on a starvation diet, isn't it? To lose a few pounds. You know, you can't keep it up. No, absolutely not. So the other thing that you said that you do that I'm intrigued by is that you just don't have the LinkedIn app on your phone. And I think this is another big one, isn't it? Because why do we feel that we have to be so reactive to social media? Why do we feel that we need to know straight away when someone has sent us a message or like to post or something like that? It's really strange, isn't it? I don't know what the psychology of that is, that desire to know straight away rather than just wait. Yeah, there's a lot behind it. Usually it's dopamine related. As with anything that kind of leads us to a habit is usually dopamine, which is our kind of reward system in our brain, reward hormone. So dopamine would be the thing that you have a release of when you're slicing a chocolate cake. You know, the dopamine is being released. You're like, oh, I'm excited. I'm, oh, yes, I'm, I want that chocolate cake. But it also leads to the crash after as well, where you're like, oh, do I really feel good now of eating that chocolate cake? That's the reason we keep picking up our phone and it's it's dopamine release. So for example, if I get a LinkedIn message that says to me, hi, Sam, we've looked at your profile. We'd love you to do this huge project for us. We're going to pay you a hundred grand. I'm going to go, wow, this is amazing. And that dopamine is going to just fire off the system because wow, what a reward I've just had by picking up my phone and reading that message. So now my brain associates 
the phone and messages and things coming through with excitement and reward. And most of the time, 99% of the time, there isn't that much excitement and reward at the end of it. You know, you pick it up and go, all right, it's just my mom telling me whatever, you know. But as a result, we keep, our brain keeps telling us to pick up our phone and you need to read what this message is right away because it could be that exciting thing. Oh, but no, it's not. It's just another boring message. It's like a gambler that keeps gambling just to just to regain that feeling of the one time they won. (laughs) Exactly. Which is 100% dopamine release. You know, it's exactly the same part of our brain that does that, you know, and that's why smartphones are addictive because of dopamine. It is habit. I often talk about the one minute pause. So if you are triggered to pick up your phone, just pause for a minute and it puts that little break between your brain saying to you, oh, quick, pick up your phone, pick up your phone. Something exciting might be happening. And just pausing actually retrains your brain to go, okay, right, okay, actually, I can wait. You know, I can wait a minute. It's fine. And you can slowly build that up where you go, oh, I really want to just have a look on my phone and see if that person replied to my message. But I'm going to now wait five minutes and then I'll do it. And over time, eventually you'll get to a point where you're like, I'll just check it later. I'm not even bothered right now. I'll I'll have a look later, you know, to the point that where you can maybe check twice a day. Same with emails. You know, people jump on their emails all the time. And really, it wouldn't make any difference to our business if we just checked our emails at, say, half nine in the morning and 4.30 at night. If we only checked our emails at those two points of time, it actually probably wouldn't make zero difference to our business because people would still be responded to. It might actually mean that we can focus better in between on other things. Yeah. So if anything, it's likely to have quite a positive impact, isn't it? Definitely. Everything about this really comes back to that intentionality, doesn't it? It comes back to taking back a bit of control and not allowing ourselves to fall victim to the the dopamine craving and the reactivity of social media. It really is about getting more intentional. and. I also think that something else you said earlier, which was around, you know, we've got in this habit of consuming, consuming, consuming so much. And you said that, you know, when you got in the habit then of actually not taking your phone, for example, and not listening to podcasts while on a walk and just having that really intentionally building into your day some stillness time in your mind. One thing that I've found is that when I do that, that is when I become way more creative too. Because I I say this a lot, consumption smothers creativity. And when you're constantly consuming, it is this is when people find it really hard to start creating content or creating a podcast episode or a, a YouTube video or whatever, because they've actually kind of stuffed like Homer Simpson. They've stuffed yeah. so much in their brain. You know, something else needs something needs to come out to make some room. Yeah, no, it's true. Actually, smartphone use has been linked to a decline in creativity as well. So it's yeah, a hundred percent true. Yeah, if someone came to you now and was saying, "Sam, this is just I can so identify with what you're saying," mm-hmm. but I'm really struggling to take a step back from my phone. I'm really struggling to put these boundaries in place. What is the one thing that you would suggest we do just to begin to get that awareness piece? I would start with choosing one action. You know, I've shared a few actions there. I would just choose one, just choose one action to take first, you know, so be it removing all notifications. So that could be action number one. And just do that for a month, you know, nothing else. You know, I think with anything, it is steps work a lot better 
than going all out and going, right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to throw everything at it and and then give, give up after a week. So I think the key is to just choose one action and do that for the whole month and then add in maybe a second action in month two and build up. You know, don't look at it as by next week, I want to have halved my screen time. Look at it as by the end of this year, I want to have halved my screen time. And that means that this week I might have reduced it by five or 10 minutes. And next week it might be by another five minutes. And gradually it becomes a lot easier to do if we do it gradually. As with anything, it's a bit like if you go, right, I'm going to take up running. I'm going to go out now and do a 10K having never run in my life before. You're going to give up straight away because you're like, oh my God, this is so hard. Whereas if I said, oh, I think I'll take up running. I'm going to go out for a walk. And in the middle of that walk, I'm going to jog for 30 seconds. And then tomorrow I'll go for a walk and I'll jog for 40 seconds in the middle of my walk you're far more likely to build that running habit. You know, it all comes down to habit building and habit creation. And so don't go too hard too soon. Unless, you know, there are certain circumstances, like for me, where I just went, that's it, I'm deleting everything for a month and not going on my phone. There are certain circumstances that require almost that level of, right, that's it, I need a I need an intervention here in a way. Um, yeah. So it's really personal. It is personal. Isn't it? It, yeah. I guess it depends on that level of overwhelm you're feeling. So for someone like me, I don't really feel overwhelmed by my phone use. But at the same time, because you and I have spoken before, it's kind of like I am way more aware of it now. And I think even just that, even listening to this podcast and listening to you talking about this is going to have some people make changes. Yes. Because it's just that what we're doing is drawing awareness to it exactly that yeah and one thing I try and do every week is maybe look up another video on YouTube or I listen to podcast episodes myself you know always have that little thing that just reminds you for what you're looking to achieve this is really going to help you out reducing your phone use and managing that relationship with the digital world absolutely and like you say you listen to podcasts you use social media you do all of those things you know but you do it with intention yeah And you do it with boundaries. Absolutely. And that is the key, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I would love it because I feel like a lot of people listening are really going to want to explore this further. I'll definitely put links to your YouTube channel and website, et cetera, in the show notes. But just for anyone listening who can't check out the show notes right now, do you want to run through where the best places are to interact with you online? Definitely Instagram and LinkedIn are the two social media platforms I use. So I'm I'm also a believer that you don't have to be on all of them. So those are the two that I use for my business. So if you search Sam Flynn on LinkedIn, I'm sure you will very quickly find me. On Instagram, I am Sam Flynn SM. And my YouTube, I share at least one video a week. I'm, I'm starting to do two videos a week now, actually. So that's increasing by batch creating. Um, so and and scheduling them onto YouTube. So on YouTube, I'm at Sam Flynn Digital. And so that's a really good resource because they are kind of short, quick videos that will give you key kind of tips to help you with your digital well-being. And then I also do have a short course on how to reduce your smartphone use. And so you can check that out at reduceyourphoneuse.com. Ooh, what a great URL. That's really easy to remember. Reduceyourphoneuse.com. That's the one. Yep. I like that. Oh, I really urge you all check that out because phones aren't going anywhere. Let's face it. And if anything, I think more actions and tasks and and things to do with work are going to be able to be achieved on a phone. So I think really getting in now and really optimizing the way we're using it and creating this balance is just so important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely not going away. There's an app for everything, as they say. So, you know, getting a grip of it now is, is definitely going to benefit us going forward. For sure. 
Sam, thank you so much. This has been a really interesting conversation. And like I say, it's been one of those really actionable episodes too, where people can really go away and just process everything that Sam has said and pick what works for you and just try one of these things at least to get a bit more balance back. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun chatting. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Bye for now. See you later. Okay, everyone. I will see you next week. And like I say, I'll put all of the links to Sam's content onto the show notes and you'll be able to check out everything there. Bye for now. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that getting our heads together this week has filled your mind with what's possible. If you love the show, would you do me a massive favour, please? Would you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts? It would really help you put more heads together reach more ears and expand more minds. Until next week, bye for now.